championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com. This is the LakersNation.com live postgame show. Your Lakers just came up short against the New York Knicks, 106 to 100. Unfortunately, the comeback effort was not able to get the job done. Heck of a third quarter by Russell Westbrook, 18 points in the third quarter alone, but ultimately could not make up for a very poor first half. We've got a lot to break down. So if you're coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter, welcome in. Throw in your questions and comments. You're listening to the podcast version of this. Make sure you do follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Joining me tonight is Lakers Nation's Mark Gunnels. Mark, how are you doing, man? I'm doing hanging good. How are you, there, man? Hanging there. You know, rough one. The, the first half of this game certainly was frustrating, I know, for Lakers fans. I saw all the comments on social media. I might even made a few of them myself. Uh, but the second half was a bit more of a, of a burst, right? I mean, we saw Russell Westbrook really step up. And so at least that was good to see. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like you said, that first half was really rough. I think Westbrook had five turnovers in the first half. and only had one in the second half. So... He showed a lot more control in that second half. Guys started playing a lot better defense. But when you dig yourself that big of a hole, especially early on the first quarter on the road, when you're already shorthanded, it's hard to really finally get back over the hump. Yeah, you can get back in the game, but you kind of run out of gas at the end because you spend so much energy trying to get back into the game. And then they just kind of ran out of yeah, time. The, at the, the end. legs seem to give out on the Lakers down the stretch there. Not a surprise. Fourth game on on the road out of a five-game road trip. Uh, they did put up a valiant effort to get back into this thing. At one point, they were down by 25. They tied the game. I don't recall if they ever actually took the lead. I know they tied it, uh, but they did fight to try to get back in and, and hopefully win this thing, but just could not quite get it done. Uh, to go over some of the stats here for the Lakers side of things, you've got... Uh, Anthony Davis, who was sick. Anthony Davis was running a fever all day, uh, but still put up 20 points, six boards, three assists, seven for 17 shooting, five of 11 from the line is not good there. Russell Westbrook, 31 points, 13 boards, 10 assists, gets a triple-double, two steals. Like you mentioned, six turnovers, Mark. That's um, that's not bad considering he had five in the first half. He was able to really trim that down. And then Avery Bradley chips in with 15 points. Carmelo Anthony returns to New York. Only puts up 12 on uh, two for eight shooting from three and three for 14 from the field overall. Taylor Horton Tucker also notably bad. Zero points. 0 for eight shooting on the night from THT. The Lakers as a team shot just 37% from the field, 31% from three. And that's with me rounding up compared to a Knicks team that shot 45%, 44% from three and 81%. From the free throw line, it is something of a miracle that the Lakers were even in this game when you consider those percentages, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the thing that stood out to me the most is the free throw disparity. I mean, the Lakers missed almost, what, 10 free throws, I believe. Mm -hmm. And the Knicks shot, like you said, 80% from the free throw line. That's a huge difference right there. And then, obviously, the three-point shooting obviously stood out. But I thought the Lakers did a good job rebounding the ball. The rebounding battle was pretty mm -hmm. close. They did a good job of getting offensive rebounds as well, kept the Knicks off the offensive glass. So that was a bright spot. And the turnovers weren't that bad. I think they only had, what, 12 yep. turnovers, I believe? And Westbrook had half of that. So, I mean, overall, they took care of the basketball, but just couldn't create easy looks, especially in that first quarter. I mean, things looked so hard offensively for them to get good, clean looks. Everything was congested you heard on the broadcast Reggie Miller if you watch the TNT broadcast was talking about how the the lane was just clogged there was no mm -hmm. floor spacing at all and that's when you had DJ out there obviously starting the game so once again we're back at that conversation <laughs> there's a uh, there was a picture going around of Anthony Davis and the ball and with the ball in the high post and all five Knicks defenders were in the paint uh, that was with that starting yeah. unit out there on the floor. That's um, that's not a good look for the Lakers and something that hopefully we were 
you know, we were hoping anyway, could uh, be rectified this season, that we were going to see more floor spacing. Did not happen, at least in the first half anyway. Uh, the way you mitigate some percentages like this, though, like you said, the offensive boards has not been a strength of the Lakers this season, but 13 of them in this game compared to just seven for the Knicks. And then, like you mentioned, 12 turnovers for the Lakers, 14 for the Knicks. The Lakers 21 of 30 from the free throw line. The Knicks 17 of 21. So that did make a big difference at the end of the day. Uh, but you know what? The Lakers, they were able to fight. They were able to get try to get back in this thing. Unfortunately, just couldn't get the job done when it was all when the final buzzer sounded. All right, let me get into uh, your questions and comments here. If you're coming in from YouTube, from Twitter, from Facebook, give me your thoughts on this game. Let's see what you guys have for us here. Uh, somebody said, Tina Geeman from Facebook said, do they not scout this team? They shoot threes and go to the basket. No, Frank Vogel in his pregame talked about how many threes the Knicks shoot and said they are, they've become a very high volume three point shooting team this season, especially compared to last season. So the Lakers were very well aware of how many threes the Knicks do shoot. And on the night, the Knicks took 34 threes compared to 36 for the Lakers. So I mean, balanced out there, but hit 44%. If you let a team shoot 44% from three, it's going to be tough to, to win that game. Oh, yeah, 100%. Especially, like I said, when you're not making threes as well <laughs> and you're missing your free throws. So that's a bad recipe for success, especially on the road, especially when you're shorthanded, going against a young, tough, really defensive sound team, obviously led by Tom Thibodeau. So just a tough matchup overall, especially when you don't have your full I've got there. a super chat here from Joel Hernandez from YouTube said Russ has been keeping us in games better third and defensively THT was horrible again yeah this was not a good you know THT was great the first what three games back and then he started struggling but Russell Westbrook was excellent in this one particularly in that third quarter 18 points in the third quarter his energy almost brought the Lakers back into this thing just like we saw the other night against the Detroit Pistons um, again I saw a lot of anti-Westbrook comments particularly early in the game uh, and rightfully so he turned the ball over five times in the first half but the second half it was like something clicked and we suddenly got good Westbrook if we could just get this guy all the time <laughs> just get good Westbrook all the time the Lakers would be a much much better team this is the full Russell Westbrook experience, <laughs> man. <laughs> we got it all in one game. <laughs> you got the ultimate low in the first half, like you said, the five turnovers, where you're looking at the TV. I even tweeted, I'm like, what is he seeing out there? Like, some of these passes are just, I just can't explain it. And then the second half, he plays clean basketball. Like you said, scores 18 points in the third quarter, and he's like, oh, this is like the MVP Westbrook. We got the full roller coaster in one game, man. Like you said, can we just get it Consistency for a full game? is just not there. And again, it's the fourth game of a long road trip. They have one more game tomorrow night against the Pacers. But still, it seemed like the Lakers just ran out of steam in this one. Uh, but this is why you can't come out flat. You can't come out and give a team a 10-0 run to start the game and then have to burn all that energy to get back into it. The Lakers aren't good enough to do that. That's that's the bottom line. You know, Frank Vogel said it the other day. Frank Vogel in his media availability said, this team is not good enough so far to have a consistent starting five, to have a locked-in starting five, because we, we're not winning games right now, so I have to try different things. Uh, they're also not good enough to come out and be flat, right? You're not at that level where you can come out, play flat for the first half, give teams big, big leads, and then attempt to come back. I will say, though, that so far, the Lakers' MO has been to be very, very bad in the third quarter, and that was not the case. The Lakers were great in the third quarter in this one. Now, if they can just kind of spread that out and find a way to, uh, to put together a complete good game, that might help a little bit. Yeah, this... Yeah, this team doesn't have the firepower offensively right now to dig into these 20-point holes early in the game and expect to come back and win. Yeah, sure, tonight they made it very interesting and fought back in the game, surprisingly. But that's not something you want to bank on, especially, like I said, when you don't have LeBron out there, who's like the catalyst, the quarterback of your team. It's just not a good recipe for success. You're not going to bank on Westbrook getting 18 points in the third quarter every single night. So... That was very discouraging, especially coming out their last game when guys were talking about how this is the type of game that can kind of get the team going. You know, obviously with that fight situation and how they rallied behind LeBron mm -hmm. and won that game. To come out flat in this game in the yeah. garden against the Knicks, 
very, very disappointing on national TV. Didn't yeah, expect that yeah, at all. Yeah, that was certainly disappointing. We thought, and that was the big question mark, was okay, Frank Vogel said it, maybe what happened with LeBron will be a momentum changer for the season. That's what he called it, a momentum changer for the season. And we didn't see that energy. It didn't carry over into the first half. We saw it pick up in the second half. But again, they've got to play with that kind of fire, that kind of passion from the opening tip if they're going to win games, particularly with a sick Anthony Davis, no LeBron James, still missing Trevor Reza, Kendrick Nunn, all these other guys. And let's face it, they've, they've lost games that they shouldn't. So you've got to make up for that by winning some games. They were not able to get that done tonight. Uh, Jared Chalker from YouTube said, this veteran team, he's a, he was veteran in quotes, uh, gives up so many stupid fouls. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we saw them foul a little bit too much in this one. Carmelo Anthony, I think he was pretty frustrated. We saw him push Julius Randle, although maybe that was a little bit of revenge for Randle pushing Anthony Davis earlier in the game. But they did have some some rough foul calls in this one where they just frankly shouldn't have fouled on that play. So it's not just the fouls either. We've seen them do things that you wouldn't expect veteran players to do in terms of the mistakes that they've made, the missed rotations and things like that. That's been a common theme this season. The Lakers be a veteran team, but not really play like a veteran team in terms of the mistakes that they're making. So that that indeed has been a frustrating part of watching the team this season. Yeah, and that's hard to kind of put your finger on because it doesn't really make sense. You know, like, like you said, this is a veteran team. You wouldn't expect those guys to have these boneheaded mistakes, boneheaded penalties, fouls, and things like that. Just these careless turnovers that we keep seeing recurring over and over again. So it's really hard to analyze that and, and kind of put your finger on what's the root of this. But the only thing I can come up with is guys just trying to press too much, you know. And that happens when you dig into a hole early. When you get into these holes in these games, you, try, you start pressing. Every shot you shoot up to that point is a lot more pressure because you know yep. you're behind by so much. You don't have that freedom of, oh, we're up by 10 points now, so I can shoot more freely. Or, you know, I can kind of gamble here on defense. You have to win every possession, you feel like. So I think guys are pressing The Lakers don't have a very high margin of error on the season when they're missing the guys that they're missing in order to win games. And then that margin of error just gets smaller and smaller and smaller when you start a game slow like this. And then, like you said, every shot means that much more because you have to make it. You have to go, you know, eight for 10 on your next 10 shots because you've got to catch up. And so then you've got that in your head when you're pulling the trigger. And we saw guys who just, it seemed like they just didn't quite have it uh, down the stretch for that. Uh, Sean Percival from YouTube said, whoops, I just missed it, but basically said, are we going to cut DeAndre Jordan in order to bring in a guy like DeMarcus Cousins to use his floor spacing? Um, I don't see them going that route. Now, cutting DeAndre Jordan, uh, there's been some legitimate gripes about his play. We've, and Mark, you and I talked about this on a recent video, uh, but DeAndre Jordan tonight, he helped actually on the offensive boards, uh, pulled down four of them, had 11 rebounds on the night, 25 minutes played in part because of uh, Anthony Davis's illness, I'm sure. But what was your thought on DeAndre Jordan and do the Lakers eventually move on from him this season? Well, tonight I thought he played well, but um, big picture-wise, I, I never did like the fit. Uh, I didn't really make too much sense to me, especially when you got Dwight Howard, who does pretty much the same things as DeAndre Jordan, but probably does it better at this mm -hmm. point in their careers. So I kind of thought that was a redundant move to begin with. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they moved on from him. I'm not sure if DeMarcus Cousins is the answer to replace him. I mean, this guy, unfortunately, has been dealing with so many injuries over the past few years to where you got to question, is he just damaged goods at this point? But, I mean, he's a guy that can't shoot the ball from the five spot, so I can see that logic there, but I'm not sure if that's the answer. I would think if the point. Lakers felt like a floor spacing big was what they really needed, they would have just kept Marcus all around. Right. Like I would rather have Marcus Saul than DeMarcus Cousins. Even I'm not saying that that's the answer. I'm just saying if that was what they felt like they needed, they probably would have just kept Mark. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a great point. Um, all right. <laughs> let's get to the um, the 360 award. So of the Lakers starts, obviously, no LeBron James. He was suspended uh, for tonight's game. And I'm sure Lakers fans feel a certain way about that, about LeBron getting suspended for that flagrant two foul in the conflict with Isaiah Stewart. But 
regardless, LeBron was suspended, so he's out of the picture here between Russell, Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis. Who gets the award tonight? Yeah, uh, you know, no question. It. It's, it's pretty easy. <laughs> uh, Russell Westbrook, of course, uh, 31 points. He had yep. what, a triple double, I believe, tonight. No quadruple double, didn't get 10 turnovers. So that's a good thing. Um, but yeah, 18 points in the third quarter. He was very aggressive, got the Lakers back into the game after a rough start. He could have easily, you know, had his head down and kind of like, oh, this is not our night. But second half, he really turned it on. You could tell the team really fed off his energy on both ends of the court. And yeah, it's definitely him. I mean, AD had a solid night, but we'll get to him in a little bit. But yeah, he had a solid Ooh, night. A little right? foreshadowing <laughs> there into an upcut for an upcoming yeah. award. But yes, uh, Russell Westbrook, 100% definitely gets this award. And the chat agrees. I'm seeing it all the way down my screen. Russ, 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 Westbrook. Yeah, Russell Westbrook definitely gets the award. Again, this has been nice to see. As frustrating as, as uh, Westbrook was early on in the season, the one kind of hope that we had was, hey, Russ starts season slow, and then he picks things up as you go along. And I feel like we're starting to see an uptick from him, uh, whether it's just confidence, whether it's physically he's getting there. We're seeing a better version of Westbrook again, not so much in the first half, but we're seeing flashes of the guy that we thought he was going to be from day one. And again, that doesn't mean that's good enough. We still need more consistency, the Lakers do, but... I think it's good that we're starting to see Russell Westbrook really step up in key moments here. Yeah, absolutely. And I've been saying this for a while. I believe when LeBron's in a lineup, it just makes Westbrook's life easier. It'll, it'll cut his turnovers down. He won't have the ball in his hands as much. And he can kind of be more free knowing that you have another star on the court to where, you know, you could try a little bit more things and you feel like you're in a better spot because you're not mm -hmm. down by so much. You know, hopefully... Well, LeBron there is more stabilized. That's the that's the thought. That's the hope. I've least. got a number of people in the chat asking for an update on Kendrick Nunn. Um, it's crickets, crickets, guys, on our end. We're not hearing anything on Kendrick Nunn to the point where it's a little bit weird. Uh, we are well past his reevaluation date at this point from dealing with the bone bruise. Remember, that came out right before the season started. Uh, we were still, what, a few games into preseason when, when that came out. And so... <laughs> The hope was that he was going to be back by now. Now, we didn't hear much in terms of the reevaluation. What it did show, remember, reevaluation does not mean return, two very different things. But we haven't gotten much in an update aside from Frank Vogel just continuing to say he's a ways away. So, not great on the Kendrick Nunn front. I know the Lakers were counting on him this season. Look, they he was the one guy. They had, they had one bullet in the chamber this season to go spend. They had a bunch of veteran minimums, right, which anybody could get. And then they had one mini mid-level exception they could use, and they decided to use it on Kendrick Nunn. So they were expecting big things out of him this season, and unfortunately, we haven't seen him yet. And here we are now 19 games into the season. Still no Kendrick Nunn. Hopefully, we'll get a positive update on him soon. But uh, I understand why people are frustrated that we haven't seen much of an update yet. Yeah, I was really excited about Kendrick Nunn. I mean, I said it in previous videos that I thought he could be a nice spark plug off the bench for this team. A guy that you can use in multiple lineups, small ball lineups with him and Westbrook. I thought that could have been fun. Even like THT, Bradley, things like that. And, you know, in Miami, the guy, I mean, he had his inconsistencies, but he's a guy that can still shoot the outside ball. He's a guy that can run in transition. And he could play the pick and roll game, the pick and pop game as well, which are big. So he's a versatile offensive talent underrated playmaker so hopefully we can get him back soon and i think he could be a really really key addition to this yeah. bench if he can get healthy that and that's going to be the key by the way guys yeah. also austin reeves we just continue to hear good things about him in terms of his comeback we've seen him working out before games he looks like he is pretty much ready to go um again last we heard was that Reeves, if if it was up to him, he'd be on the court playing right now, that he feels like he's ready to go. The Lakers medical staff are the ones holding him back because it's a hamstring inju injury, Spe specifically because that injury can be pretty tricky and can linger. But Austin Reeves' return should be right around the corner. I'd imagine if we don't see him tomorrow. Remember, he was listed as doubtful, not just straight out doubtful for tonight's game. Maybe tomorrow night, but I would imagine once the Lakers return home, that's probably the most likely time when we see Austin Reeves return to the floor. And then who knows what that will do to the rotation because he was earning a big role there for the Lakers. Um, we do need to get into the next man up award.
So out of all the other guys, the non-stars for the Lakers, so not Russell Westbrook, not Anthony Davis, who was the guy who stepped up the most tonight? And chat, I want to hear from you. Let me know if you're coming in from YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Fire it off. Who do you think stepped up the most from the Lakers' other guys? Mark, uh, who do you have down as your next man up for this game? This was a tough one because nobody really stood out for the next okay. man up award that much for me. But if I had to pick somebody, I'm probably going to lean DeAndre Jordan okay. here. He was good on the boards tonight. 11 rebounds, I believe. He played solid defense. He he did. He wasn't a negative today, at least from my eye test. Now, the plus the minus, plus minus is different. negative seven, but, but I understand <laughs> what plus you're saying. Minus, <laughs> The plus minus is probably going to say a little different, but uh, I'm, I mean, he was a good job on the boards. He had a good job on the boards, played good defense. He was solid. I, I'll give it to him. But like I said, it was slim pickings today. I mean, look at look at the box score. I mean, it was when nobody really stood out. Mello had a bad off shooting night. Malik Monk was pretty solid. He was a plus two off the bench, so you could have go you could have went with him uh -huh. as well. But uh, I'll go with DJ. Um, I think that's a that's a worthy selection there, particularly an, an embattled. DeAndre Jordan, a lot of Lakers fans have been asking about getting him benched. Some asking about cutting him and maybe signing another big man, somebody else instead. But again, I think tonight we have to give credit where credit is due, even if we criticize when that's appropriate as well. But I think tonight he was fine. The guy I'm going to go with, though, it's Avery Bradley. 30 minutes on the night, 5 for 11 shooting, 9 boards, 2 steals, 15 points. Three for eight from three. Quietly, Avery Bradley is one of the Lakers' best three-point shooters this season, hitting 39% heading into this game. So that uh, that shooting total tonight, three for eight, that's not going to change that. So Avery Bradley, solid performance from him. He's a guy where you can kick the ball to him for the corner three and know that he's got a pretty decent shot of knocking that down. Some games he can kind of disappear. Tonight was not one of those nights. Again, nine big rebounds from him. Also had a nice cut into the lane as the Lakers were coming back. Tossed in a little floater that I didn't know he had in his bag. Didn't know that was part of his arsenal. So I thought tonight was a better Avery Bradley night. So I'm going to go with him. Yeah, you see, I left you Avery Thank Bradley you. Appreciate there. I didn't that. want to agree with you, but I left you that one. <laughs> um, I've got a lot of people saying Avery Bradley. Yep, a lot of people saying that will work for them. Um, oh, some people talking about the free throws. Don't worry. Don't worry. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that soon. That will be coming. All right. Let me get to a few more of your questions and comments that are coming in. I know we had some other super chats that came in. I've been grabbing them as they've been coming through here. So let me dive into some of those. Open these up. Let's see what we got. Uh, okay. Stephen Carr from YouTube said, Trevor, can we all just agree Vogel won't be the coach come playoff time? What do you think, Mark? Do you think think Vogel's seat might be getting a little bit hot? Luke Walton just lost his spot in Sacramento. Could Vogel be on the list of coaches to be on the way out the door this season? I mean, he could be if this thing unravels and the Lakers just go on a big losing streak here and get like four or five games under 500 and, you know, things just look really, really bad. But I don't think we're going to get to that point. Uh, LeBron just missed his game because, because of suspension. We haven't seen his team at four yet, not even one game, <laughs> obviously, because Kendrick Nunn hasn't played, well, not one time. Still Trevor Reza, missing Trevor Reza. Obviously, Austin Reeves has been out. So I get the, the criticisms, but at the same time, we have to understand he's working with a roster that he did not expect to have in the summertime. Didn't expect to have Avery Bradley. Like we mentioned last time, we signed Avery Bradley like a day before opening game. <laughs> so that was a new thing. Obviously, no Kendrick Nunn, like I said, no Ariza. LeBron missed, what, two, two weeks, three weeks? So it's hard to really fully judge this team. I know Laker fans are tired of hearing it. I know they're tired of the excuses. But these are reasons. These are legit reasons. And I just can't fully get on that train until I see this team fully at a hundred percent or even close to it. They haven't even been close to it. Now I've been, I've been beating that drum as well, that, that Vogel was not really given a full deck to play with this season. Um, you took a defense first head coach and you gave him a bunch of players who aren't known as being good defenders and said, well, you're such a good defensive coach that it's going to, that you're going to turn this team into a good defensive team. Um, that's, and that's not me making that up. That's literally what Rob Palenka said 
said we Frank Vogel's a very good defensive coach and we trust that he's going to figure this out. Um, so it's not like he was given a team that really plays to his strengths as a coach. And that's been a challenge. Uh, Frank Vogel talked about it recently. He talked about uh, Russell Westbrook. Mark, you and I went over this. Uh, Russell Westbrook, uh, sometimes they feel like they have to go small in order to get the best out of Westbrook, but they also feel like defensively. They need the extra bigs out on the floor. So there's this kind of struggle between do we try to get the best version of Russell Westbrook or do we try to create the best defense we possibly can, which obviously is Frank Vogel's default mode is to, to get the best defense that he can. So there is a little bit of an internal struggle there, but I'll tell you where where I kind of lost lost it with the, the Vogel, I don't know, positioning with the team. It's the effort that we've seen from the team. It's the, or the lack thereof during certain moments. It's been the lack of chemistry, the lack of cohesiveness. Um, they've lost, frankly, they've lost games that were understandable to lose, but by more than you would expect. And again, the injuries are 100% a factor, but they're still not finding ways to get those kind of uplifting wins and then losing games that you shouldn't lose no matter who's out, basically. You know, if you've got Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis on the floor, you should still beat the likes of the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, et cetera, et cetera. The Detroit Pistons, right? You should beat that team handily. It shouldn't be a, a kind of last second comeback type thing. So that's where I wonder if he is kind of on the edge there um, simply because the, the team has really looked bad for certain stretches. But if you step back, you're right. There's a lot of other factors that can cause the Lakers to look the way that they do aside from just Vogel. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, let's not let's let, let's be honest here. It comes down to LeBron, right? I mean, if if LeBron wants him out, he's probably going to be point. out. <laughs> and LeBron has missed several games, and we know a LeBron-led team typically leans to him being "quote unquote" the coach of the oh, team, yeah. right? I mean, we've we've heard that throughout his he's career, right? That LeBron LeBron's like a part-time coach, basically. So. With him not being on the floor for a lot of the games, that hurts the the psyche of the locker room. Even though it shouldn't, though, because it's still a veteran mm. team. Like you still have Rondo, you still have Melo, like you have Dwight, DeAndre Jordan. So it shouldn't be the case. It's not like this is like the young Lakers when you had Kuzma, Alonzo, <laughs> Bi, and LeBron's out like, there. Like, okay, we don't have our leader at all, but you still have guys that should be respected voices in that locker room so there's a disconnect there there is something there i'm not sure if bogle is his voice losing the locker room are they tired of it i'm not sure but it's still i'll say a little too early to go to that judgment at this well, point here's here's the thing though it's not like vogel if vogel gets let go that doesn't mean everything is his fault Right. Those two things, sometimes we, we connect the two things, right? Fire Vogel equals this is all Vogel's fault. And that's not the case. That's not. It, it's just not the case. See, when you look at this big picture, Rob Palenka to blame? Sure. Right. He put the roster together. Uh, LeBron and AD. Sure. They were the guys who said bring in Westbrook and create the roster the way they did. So certainly there should be some blame there as well. Jeannie Buss. Yes, absolutely. The Lakers organization not wanting to pay Alex Caruso. There's some blame to go there. The players for not bringing it every night. 100% can go there. The bad luck of the injury bug. Yeah, there's some blame there. There's lots of different places to place blame. And certainly Frank Vogel is a piece in that. However, if you're the Lakers team right now, if you're the organization at the moment and you're seeing them struggle, most likely what you go to first before anything else, before you start trading players or do anything like that, you probably try a change at the coaching spot. That's the easiest thing to change. And I'm not saying that's what they should do, but it feels like if they are going to make a move, that's probably what they're going to try first. But my thing is, if you do that, who do you replace exactly. them with? Exactly. That's, that's, and that's where a lot of people that are just in the fire Vogel 15 exclamation points crowd gets lost is, okay, then who takes over? Right? Who takes over from Frank Vogel? Is it, it you know, it's not going to be Greg Popovich. You're not bringing Phil Jackson out of retirement. Mark Jackson's probably not an option either. If he was, if NBA coaches or in the NBA circle, thought of him the way fans think of him as a coach, he would have had a job already, right? That would have happened. I've seen people say Jeff Van Gundy is somebody that they should go to. I don't know that there's a great option that's out there 
for them to turn to. And so that's that's the next step in that process is who do you replace them with? I don't know. And I can say the grass isn't always greener on the other side too. Yeah, especially when you're talking about a mid-season firing. Those are always tough yes, to replace. 100%. 100%. Um, got a comment here. It says, can we talk about THT's game? Has not developed in two years. Can't shoot. Plays like a forever rookie. Well, now that you mentioned it, Let's get to the master lock of the night. I think that will be a good segue into our master lock segment. Uh, let me know, guys. YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. Let me know who you would like to see put in our good friend Chris, the Masterpiece Masters, finishing hold the master lock from tonight's game. Because my pick, I'll go first on this one. It is Taylor Horton Tucker for tonight's stat line. And I like THT a lot, but oh my goodness. Minus 18, a team low in plus minus on the night. Goose egg points gave us nothing. Zero for eight from the field. Four assists, one steal, one block, two turnovers. Not a good performance from him. Uh, just could not get anything to fall. And I think some of the criticism of him is just tonight. You know, we've seen how good he can be too. He was great his first few games back. But I did caution that he started hot last season too and then cooled off. We may be in for a bit of a roller coaster season here from THD. Yeah, that's the easy choice there, um, you know, but just to not agree with you too much because that's not fun. <laughs> I'm going to go with AD, man. Free throws, five for 11. I He's mean, sick. I don't know what's been, I don't know what's been going on with him lately. Like this has been a guy throughout his career that's been a very reliable free throw shooter. I mean, we're talking about 80 percent hovering around that for his career. Right. And all of a sudden he just lost his touch. I'm, I don't know what to put it on. I don't want to sound silly or anything, but has he added too much muscle? <laughs> I mean, I don't understand. Like, like now I hope he makes one out of two. It used to be automatic. He's going to make two of them. So five for 11 is just inexcusable. I agree. And now, again, he had a fever all day. So I'll, I'll you know, mention that. But yes, he should still be better than five for 11. Do you remember, what, two seasons ago, which was just barely over a calendar year ago, uh, you ha he was the guy who took the technical free throws because he was an 80 plus percent free throw shooter. And tonight he's five for 11 uh, in a game that they lost by six. I mean, that, that there, there's the game, right? <laughs> Aside from, of course, Taylor Horton Tucker, 0 for eight Carmelo Anthony, again, in his return to New York, two for eight shooting. I thought a lot of the threes that he took maybe a little bit forced, but statistically he's their best three point shooter. So I'm not going to be upset that he's taking those shots, but if you get, an average free throw shooting game out of AD, an average shooting game out of Carmelo Anthony, and anything out of Taylor Horton Tucker and the Lakers win this game, even though they're down by 25 at one point. That, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, this game was this game was begging for one of those vintage mellow yes. games that we've been seeing this year, especially going back home to New York. I kind of expected him to have one of those games, especially with LeBron out. So more opportunities, more minutes, more shots, but. It just didn't fall from tonight. I guess he can only shoot in Staples Center now. Uh, apparently, Staples Mellow, pretty soon Crypto King or no Crypto dot uh, com Arena <laughs> Mellow. <laughs> right, right. Uh, Sean Tan from YouTube said, "What big wings should fans hope for?" I mean, I gotta go Hawkeye uh, since that's debuting tonight. I'll go Hawkeye meme and say, uh, "Don't give me hope." I, I don't think there's a big wing out there that the Lakers can hope to get right now. I do agree that they're missing one. I said it during the offseason. That's not me taking a victory lap. So I said it in the 2019-2020 season too, and it turned out it didn't matter. But it felt like they were short one big wing heading into this season. And uh, here we are, where the Lakers tend to get out-rebounded when the Lakers have just Anthony Davis on the floor as a big and nothing else. So they could use somebody. Are they going to be able to get somebody, somebody playable to plug in right now? I don't, I don't see a path to that happening uh, unless something, some sort of trade pops up for Taylor Horton Tucker. Kendrick Nunn is the only other salary that makes sense if you're going to try to get somebody who's noteworthy. Yeah, it, it's tough, man. They're pretty tough with the contracts they have right now. They're pretty handicapped at this point. And like you said, Nunn has a pretty good contract for trade pieces, but he has to get on the court first. <laughs> so I mean to kind of showcase himself before the trade deadline. So yeah, I don't see a pathway either right now. I yeah, don't. 
I don't think so either. I don't think so. Uh, I've got somebody somebody in the uh, it, it, on YouTube threw in the the comment. Hire Mark Gunnels. <laughs> Done. Who, who, who says <laughs> Jason? <that? laughs> hey. Shout out to you, man. <laughs> I, hey, I'll take I'll take the job. Man. I need some more money. <laughs> uh, let's see. We've got uh, somebody said. Oh, there was a good one in here. Oh, somebody said stand pat and try to get healthy. I do still think they need another wing player, maybe another big, depending on what happens here with DeAndre Jordan if he can keep it up. I, I don't want to say you know. Don't let me just depress Lakers fans and say there's no move for them out there. They can potentially find something at the trade deadline. Just don't expect it to be something big. They don't have the contracts to stack up to make a big deal because they have so many veteran minimum guys. But there are still some possibilities out there for them to make a move. It's just not clear exactly what that could be. I'm just talking about from a salary perspective. Um, it, it's tough to see exactly what, they, what they're going to have in front of them right now, given the contracts that are on the books at the moment. Yeah, and I can hear people right now because I'm in the I'm in the Twitter streets. I know what Laker fans are talking about, and I can see people saying now Trey Westbrook. Yeah, I, I've seen. Good, good luck getting. Good luck, somebody get taken on that. I've contract. seen so many trade Westbrook for Ben Simmons comments. It's not going to happen. The 76ers would not do that. It's not happening. It makes no sense not for happening. Philly. None. Um, oh, somebody said trade for Christian Wood. Yes, please. <laughs> I, I am a big Christian Wood fan. I, I, I like his game a lot and think he'd be a great fit next to Anthony Davis. And that's really what the Lakers need. You need another Anthony Davis to play next to Anthony Davis. That's essentially the way that you that you round out this defense. Uh, you need a guy who can kind of float between that four, the four and the five, can step out and shoot a little bit. Uh, and Christian Wood, I think, would give you that. But again, contractually getting there might be a little bit tough. Yeah, that would be the closest thing to a home run that's probably somewhat realistic because obviously Houston is tanking this year. They're going to try to take some assets if they can mm -hmm. or some cap relief. But I'm not sure the Lakers are that team to pull it off with them, but never rule it out. Never rule it out. Uh, somebody said trade for Triple H, cause maybe because we mentioned Chris the Masterpiece Masters before that. I mean, look, if we're worried about the Lakers being prepared, he is the game. So maybe he would be. You'll be ready to go. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll, we'll do a few more before we call it an, an evening here. Um, oh, somebody mentioned trade Trevor for THT. No, that would make the Lakers worse. I promise you. I would shoot, I would shoot worse <laughs> than 0 for 8. Uh, okay, here we go. From Shaheen, from YouTube, the Super Chat. Rob Palenka overhauled the roster as if the Lakers were a 15th seed team. He should have left the 2020 roster largely untouched. I highly doubt it's possible for the Lakers to win it all this season. So that was the, one of the big questions, was coming out of the season in um, the exit interviews, almost to a man, the exception of, I believe, Montres Harrell, every player said, let's run it back. Every player said, run it back. This team is good. We never got to show what we had healthy because we weren't healthy all season long. And so that was what we kind of thought was going to be their strategy heading into the offseason. Rob Palenka, perhaps at the direction of LeBron. I mean, you know, he wasn't going to do this stuff without LeBron's blessing. Uh, decided to blow it up. Only three players came back from last season's team. And I think that, you know, you can point to it and say, you know, if they just kept everybody, they'd probably be in pretty good shape right now. They'd certainly look better than they are at this moment. And I think that's a fair criticism at the time. I can understand because we said all along the Lakers goal for years now has been three stars. That's been their plan for years and they had the opportunity to make it happen this off season. And so they did it. It has not worked out the way that they had hoped, but yes, hindsight being 2020 probably should have stuck with what they had based on what we've seen so far. Yeah, easy to say that now, but like I said, they don't they have so many injuries and guys out, so we can't fully judge the roster moves yet. When you haven't even seen the guys that you acquired play yet, especially Kendrick Nunn, who I'm pretty high on. So yeah, easy to say that now, but I'm still gonna ride with this roster until I see other ones. Uh, Shaheen also said with another super chat, don't blame Vogel, blame Palinka for handing him such a bad roster. Okay, so Again, on uh, on Palenka, somebody else came in, RV14, said, Hey, Trev, would you be surprised if they waived DeAndre Jordan instead of Avery Bradley, despite having a non-guaranteed contract to give room for signing a wing? 
Shout out from the Philippines. Well, thank you for coming in from the Philippines. We always appreciate our international viewers coming in. So cool to see the worldwide impact of the Los Angeles Lakers. But, um, you know, in terms of waving DeAndre Jordan, so you mentioned Avery Bradley and the fact that his contract is non-guaranteed. That's why we've largely said that if the Lakers are going to cut anybody in order to free up room for the buyout market, which is going to come up sometime around March, it would probably be either Avery Bradley or Austin Reeves because both of them have non-guaranteed contracts. Now, I don't think Austin Reeves is going anywhere. I'm just saying in terms of uh, logistically executing something like that, it's easier to cut a guy who's non-guaranteed. If you go cut DeAndre Jordan, you're committed to paying him for the remainder of the year to not play basketball for you. Teams tend to not like to do that. Pay a player to not play for them. We've done enough of that with Lou Aldang. Uh, but uh, if the Lakers get to a point where they see another big that's out there or a big wing that can, you know, if it was, I'm not saying he would be cut, but like if there was a Jeff Green type that they thought was going to become available, maybe you could make the argument that, hey, we need what he brings and we need what Avery Bradley brings more than DeAndre Jordan, then they make that move. I won't say that's not something they would do, but I think the finances would be a factor in that decision. Yeah, and also to the trade points about getting another wing, I saw this on Twitter, Lakers Twitter, a couple of days ago. People were talking about the possibility of maybe trading for Jeremiah Grant. Oh, Jeremy Grant. From the Detroit. Yeah. Jeremy Grant, yeah. And that would be an ideal oh, fit. But I'm not sure how they could pull sure. it off, but oh my God, that would be oh, great. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fit. I mean, look, he, what, he went and dropped, I think it was 36 on the Lakers the other night. Yes, he would be a fantastic fit. Yeah. I mean... They don't have the first round picks to get it done, but you would it would have to be Taylor Horton Tucker, Kendrick Nunn, just to get to the math, plus a, a non guaranteed or a, a veteran minimum guy, and then whatever else you can add in as as sweetener um, in order to make something like that happen. But again, I I think the Pistons would probably get better options uh, if they were to put them on the market. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. Oh, we talked about the THT Super Chat. We'll get into just a couple of more here. Oh, there we go. There's the DeAndre Jordan comment again. I've got people asking about Jeremy Grant. Somebody said, coming in from Switzerland, welcome in from Switzerland. Oh, here we go. Charles Weldon Jr. said, Trevor, can we sign James Ennis and cut Kent Bazemore? So Bazemore, back in training camp, was making headlines. I mean, Frank Vogel was raving about Bazemore, said he separated himself from the other perimeter players defensively. And obviously that has not been sustainable. Bazemore has really fallen off and he has largely been out of the rotation with the exception of garbage time or desperation time when Frank Vogel is trying to find something that works. Um, I don't think that Bazemore is dead and gone or anything like that. But if there was a way to do it without taking on the cap hit, maybe it's something the Lakers would consider. But again, you still have to pay Kent Bazemore for the remainder of the season if you decide to cut him. And the Lakers are a luxury tax team. So this is costing, I mean, you're probably talking about a total price tag of doing that, 10 million, eight to 10 million, somewhere in there to make that move. I don't know if that's something the Lakers will do. I don't even know if they think that James Ennis is an upgrade over Bazemore. Certainly he gives you more size on the wing. And that's a guy that we were looking at all off season long. He was basically openly campaigning to be a Laker. But I just don't know if it's in the cards at this point. Yeah, and I have a theory when it comes to sports. And I got it from the New England uh -oh. Patriots. When the Patriots let somebody go, you probably shouldn't pick them up. Because they're smart guys. Belichick's a smart guy. The Warriors, that's smart front office. They had a whole year with Bazemore. And they had no interest in bringing him back. And you see who, the guys they brought in now. They brought in high IQ guys like mm -hmm. Andre Iguodala brought him back. You see how good they're playing. I have a theory. When smart guys let a guy go for nothing, you probably don't want uh, to. That, that's probably a good way to look at it, especially with how Bazemore's played so far this season. Um, oh, Avi B from YouTube said 25% of the season over and the Lakers are under 500. How are you so calm? <laughs> I, I taught eighth grade for 13 years. So. I learned very quickly how to be calm in stressful situations, but no, this is um, when you break down this team, like Mark has been saying a number of times tonight, it's, it's hard to, it's frustrating. Certainly this has been a frustrating season. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I've, I've yelled many things while watching the team play. Uh, a lot of it is 
why on earth would you do that? I've made that comment a lot. But we also have not seen this team fully healthy. We haven't seen this team play the way they were constructed to play. I mean, Frank Vogel has already admitted Trevor Reza has a huge role as soon as he's healthy. It was very clear they were planning on him being out there. And I'm not saying that Ariza coming back saves the Lakers or none coming back saves the Lakers or that excuses what we've seen so far. I'm just saying we have yet to see them be able to play the way they were constructed to play because of a lot of external factors. And so that's kind of the one thing that's holding me back from passing judgment too harshly just yet. Um, and we do still have a lot of basketball left to play. And I think we have seen some signs of figuring some things out, particularly with Russell Westbrook. But again, long way to go still, and I understand why fans are frustrated. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you should be frustrated if you're a Lakers fan. That's expected with this record right now and the way the team has looked. But not even Trevor Reza and Kendrick Nunn being out. I mean, like I said before, LeBron has missed several games this year, your best player. So, I mean, I mean, you take the best player off a lot of teams, they're going to look bad. So it's just hard to fully judge the team right now, but – at the same time, they still should be looking yes. a little better, like not getting blown, not getting blown out. I mean, tonight they fought back, made it interesting, but shouldn't have been that close against the Pistons. You shouldn't lose to OKC twice, no matter if LeBron is there or not. So I get the frustration with those type of games, but overall, I still think it's going to be okay. As long as LeBron, Westbrook, and AD are there, I still think they're going to be fine. Hopefully. Again, it's. I think the frustration stems from losing games to teams that you shouldn't have lost to, right? OKC, the Wolves, right? Dropping those games. You, you can't. And my, my big thing about the NBA has always been, you have to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. And if you do that, you're going to be okay. Okay. Uh, now they put themselves in a spot where they have to win some games against some more difficult teams. And so in order to make up for this pretty rough start, we'll see if they can do it. Yeah. But again, uh, and yeah. here's where, yeah, somebody says, Trevor, come on, brother. We lost to teams with far less talent. Agreed. That, that's that's where it's okay to be frustrated. And I'm not saying I'm not frustrated. Okay, I certainly am. I've been frustrated with the team. I, you could, If you could see the Lakers Nation uh, staff text thread, you'll see me uh, very, very frustrated in there as well. I'm frustrated with what we've seen. But I just like to withhold. I'm, I'm not the type that just says, that's it. It's done. It's over. Walk away. They can never win. We still have a long way to go. It's early to just hit the eject button on this entire team. Give it time. I know it's tough. I know it's not easy. It's not fun through certain moments of this. But to me, it's not time to just pull the plug just yet. No, I totally agree. I mean, a lot of people always say NBA doesn't really start until Christmas Day, right? People always say that, right? It's always kind of like the thing people say. And we're not even in December yet. We're almost there, but we're not quite in December yet. Let the guys get healthy. Reese is close. None. We're not sure. But Austin Reese will be back soon. LeBron obviously just missed the game because of suspension. Let's see how they finish out the, this remaining calendar year heading into 2022. Then we can get more harsh judgments at that point, I believe. But right now, you could be frustrated, but it's not the end of the world. It's not season over with. The West hasn't been that impressive overall. Look at the standings. I mean, the West has been kind of inconsistent top to bottom this year. So you can move the standings with a quick four or five game winning streak. I mean, it doesn't take too much to go up and down in the West right now. So yeah, let's just stay patient. Yeah, have to. Uh, Lem Aratol from Facebook said, it's always the players we're looking at as the culprit on the team. You may overlook the coaching staff. It's just frustrating with Coach Frank's decisions. Oh, yeah, look. Look, my whole thing has been you can't just point to one thing and say that thing is the problem. That's just not accurate. It's been a lot of things that have been the problem. And Frank Vogel is certainly one of them. The coaching staff deserves a piece of the blame, too. They are not blameless here. As much as we can empathize with Vogel for coaching a team that's not uh, that's not up to his strengths, right, in terms of skill sets. Um, that doesn't mean they've made great decisions all the time. There have been times where a player has been hot and then Vogel says, oh, why don't you go over there? Because it's your time to go sit on the bench rather than adjust 
and allow the hot hand to stay in the game. And that's certainly frustrating. We've seen rotations that didn't make sense. And yes, he's been dealing with injuries, but we've still, we saw rotations where Rondo and Westbrook were on the floor together. And that didn't make any sense. Uh, we've seen the constant shuffling of the lineup, even with healthy players. So I'm not saying Frank Vogel is blameless here. It's not all on the players. It's not all on the coach. It's not all on the front office. It's a mixture of everything that you want to add in that's created the season that we've had right now, right? Like if Frank Vogel was the problem and he was the only problem, the Lakers record would be a lot better than it is right now. Just because of the talent on the team, it would be a lot better if he was the only problem. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah, it's not on one person. And that's not how life works. Like most of the time, especially when you're dealing with like a corporation or something, it's not just the guy at the top, the guy right below him. It's a trickle effect. You know, this guy gets a little bit of blame. This guy gets a little bit of blame. Everybody, like you mentioned earlier, LeBron, AD, <laughs> it's... Kalinka, Jeannie Buss, Lakers fans. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> I like Lakers fans. But, but, yeah, but, yeah, everybody gets it's a little a, bit of it's blame. It's Oprah. Man, so. You get a little blame. You get a little blame. All the, everybody gets a little <laughs> bit of blame all the way around. Your fault, uh, Trevor. Yeah, Your it fault. probably is. I said, hey, I took the blame tonight. I said, I started Taylor Horton Tucker in fantasy. That's, and that's, and so clearly oh. that was the problem. <laughs> that was the, so that is on me. Woo. Taylor Horton Tucker's bad night is on me. Um, let's wrap up with this. A little bit of, a uh, bit of talk about the Lakers defense. Zach Hampton from Facebook said, Trevor Lane. Yes. Uh, you guys like the zone defense for them? No. And I'll tell you why. I think it works. To a degree, it can work, right? But it's also, it's not a junk defense, but it's an admission that we can't play defense, right? That's when you, when Frank Vogel goes to a zone defense, that's him going, oh my gosh, we don't have anybody that can stay in front of their man or uh, react right or the chemistry's not right. So let's just throw something else out there and see if we can catch the offense off guard. Quick, go to a zone. Like, this is desperation mode from Frank Vogel for him to go as a defense first coach, for him to say, okay, we're going to go zone. So I don't like it from that perspective, right? Like, it's been successful in certain spurts, but it's also an admission of, yeah, we just can't play defense. So we're going to try to junk things up as much as we can here. Let's throw a zone out there and see what happens. Yeah, it's definitely a cop-out, and that is a cause for concern with this current team right now, as far as not having the, the wings, the guys that can move their feet against these younger teams. I mean, the NBA right now is such a young man's mm -hmm. league, man. Like every night you're facing a young explosive guard. It seems like our explosive wings stretch fives guys like Julius Randle that could play multiple positions. I mean, it's tough, man. Lakers got an old team. We know that Lakers are old. I mean, there's no hiding that. So when you result to a zone, like you said, it's admitting that our guys can't move their feet and stop these guys from getting into the paint. Yeah, and that's a problem. That's a problem. Absolutely. A problem. And, and Carol Zarbano from Facebook agrees with you. She said the younger teams simply have more energy. Yeah. And that's something that they're going to have to uh, rectify. Part of it is the size. Trevor Ariza might help with that, but he's weeks away. Uh, and then Kendrick Nunn is a younger player, but who knows with him. So they're going to have to figure things out here. And hopefully they can get it done quickly. All right, guys. Appreciate everybody joining us tonight. Obviously not not the night that we wanted to see from the Lakers. I was encouraged by the comeback effort. Almost got back in at one more game on the road trip tomorrow night. That's right. Second night of a back-to-back -back in Indiana against the Pacers. Get a look at, uh, at Miles Turner. Malcolm Brogdon has lit up the Lakers historically. So we'll see if they can do something to slow him down. LeBron James should be back in action as well. So we'll be uh, doing the live post game show right after that. Make sure that you do subscribe right here to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Turn on notifications so you get notified as soon as we go live. And don't forget, go pick up some more Showtime Lager. You can get it over at LA Draft uh, as well as Indie Brewery in Los Angeles. Go grab some of that. Uh, it is pretty good. We, Mark, you and I both got to check that out uh, at our watch party a couple weeks ago. It's good stuff. They still have some left if you uh, if you want to go check that out. It's really, really good. Yeah, really good stuff. I can vouch for that. Good, and good uh, stuff. it just might help you get through a Lakers game too. <laughs> All right, everybody. See ya and stay safe.